Welcome to Asian Glow Up Podcast. We are a podcast centered around sharing stories that help Asian Americans explore their identities and connect with their most authentic selves. We're your hosts, Jojo and Jackie. Today, we're joined by Brian Pham, who wears many different hats. He is a VC at Pham Ventures, a founder and podcast host of Asian Hustle Network, and co-founder of Hate is a Virus. We are so excited to talk with you today. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how Asian Hustle Network came to life? Yeah, I mean, thank you guys so much for having me here today. It's been looking forward to this for the last few months, right? You guys reached out to me back in November, so I'm excited to be in the show. Yeah. I think Asian Hustle Network for me happened as an accident. I never really, never really saw myself as a community leader. I just something I always felt really strongly about, right? Like growing up, fortunately, like I grew up in an area where it's predominantly Asian. When I tell people my high school is literally like 90% Asian people, people always look at me like, wow. 90%? I'm like, yes, it's 90%, <laughs> right? So most of my childhood, looking around, like I never saw myself as a minority. Hence, I was never treated as a minority. And I wasn't treated wow. as a minority. And so I started working in a professional workforce where I was told certain things that I thought was absolutely amusing to me. People told me that they didn't see much leadership quality in me, that I need to stand up more and that I need to speak up yeah. more. And I was like, where is this coming from? Like most of my friends would categorize wow. me as like the most outgoing person, right? Yeah. And that sort of sort of became the genesis for Asian Hustle Network because time and time again, like I would achieve like promotions like in my individual careers, get employee of the month. But then when it came to asking to be a manager, I was always told that I wasn't a leader, which I thought was, at first I believed it for the first four years, which is the crazy part. And so I started questioning it because I realized all my Asian friends are being denied. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? I started looking into it and I realized that there's something called the bamboo ceiling. There's something called the glass ceiling. This is back in like 2013. I didn't know what this even wow. means. And I, I found that the bamboo ceiling was coined in 2008 by Jane, right? She coined the term in 2008, which is only literally five years before I started working in my own career. I looked into it and then I said, we got to do something about this. Knowing my big mouth, I started speaking up at our, wow. <laughs> our team meetings. I'm like, why are we getting promoted? What blah, blah, blah. And then I ended up being uh, my company's public enemy number one for <laughs> speaking up so much regarding this. Yeah, but then slowly this became the beginning of Asian Hustle Network. And I wanted to create a community originally to have people support and uplift each other. Because the other thing I also realized is that in society-wise, like Asian people are historically very fragmented and we're not really known for helping each other, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to tear all that down with this idea of like lifting each other up in order to achieve great change. I absolutely love your mission. And Jackie and I actually joined this Facebook group probably around when it launched. Like we yeah. were there from the beginning. So it's really cool to get to talk to you today. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did it start in like 2019-ish? Yeah, I started in 2019. So I was sitting on this idea for like a good like seven years before I executed on it. For a while now. Yeah. Wow. Did you have any other ideas what you thought it was going to be before it came to uh, fruition? I had like a roadmap that this is going to be something big. Like I always had a gut feeling wow. that this is going to be something big. And I remember at the very beginning of growing my team, people were like, wow, like 
why do you have 17 team members for a community of like 30 people? <laughs> I was like, it's going to be big. You just have to be ready. <laughs> wow. So when did you realize that it was starting to catch on and it was really starting to accelerate? When people started using AHN as a verb or as a noun, Ooh. I was like, whoa, this is weird, right? Because people started referring <laughs> to something that it's kind of like my brainchild, right? As a thing as a unity or north star and that's when i realized that oh shoot this is bigger than myself and then in true brian fam fashion i left my job and i was like all right wow. i have no idea how to run a business i have no idea how to raise money i don't even know where my next paycheck is going to come from let's do this full time and exactly what i did <laughs> in the first two years wow because you i think in another interview you mentioned that asian hustle network feels like a linkedin version of subtle asian traits is that how you saw it at first as well? Yeah, yeah. So that's absolutely right. I think at the time where, I think this is like, like back in 2018 when Subtle Asian Traits was going viral and we started ourselves in 2019. I'm a huge fan of Subtle Asian Traits, by the way. But then I realized like they didn't really capture the story of our community the way I wanted it to be, right? I almost feel like we're still the butt of all jokes and I didn't like that, mm. right? Whereas like boba culture or, or making fun of each mm -hmm. other, like it wasn't the type of stories where I was used to hearing when in my own childhood. Luckily, my parents always taught me a lot of Asian pride <laughs> for good or for bad. Right? I'm one of those green names as Asian pride <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> and I didn't really like those stories. And I knew that there's a, there must be a better way for us to share our story and not, not in a more professional way, but more in like a less joking type of manner. Right. And I knew the storytelling was going to be like the foundation of our organization. I knew that by talking to other community members, community leaders, is that we take more time speaking and talking than taking a step back and listening. And that's a huge problem. Because mm -hmm. once you take a step back and listen, we realize that even though we're not of like the same Asian origin, we all have the same values. We want the same things, right? We want the best for each other. We're very community oriented at the core. How do you bring that out? And the only way to bring it out is through empathy and through storytelling. Wow. Yeah, I, I really resonate with all of that. And I mean, that aligns a lot to why we do this podcast as well. Like just at a core, we are very community oriented as well. So that really, really resonated with me. <laughs> and Brian, I'd love to even dig in about sustainable communities because we're talking about Asian Hustle Network and how you've been growing this. But I know before we jumped on this call, you mentioned that a lot of these programs are come and go and that everything is marketed differently. So how does one really create a sustainable community and something that's long lasting and able to scale? Because we do see a lot of projects with the same values, with the same goals, but it's like we're yeah. restarting the wheel from the beginning each time. I think you bring up a really good point. And I, I think I talked to you guys before this too. I personally feel like most Asian organizations historically don't last more than 10 years. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that after a while, each generation restarts a new version of, <laughs> of uplifting and supporting and hearing each other out. I feel like this mm -hmm. time it feels a lot different than it did before. You have organizations like Roadhouse, ourselves, Ace, Next Gen, like these orgs are, are I feel like they're going to be sustainable from now on. I think mm -hmm. that the issue is that at the end of the day, like, unfortunately, this is this is a business. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have to think of it from that lens where how do you build something that's driven towards your mission while 
unfortunately and fortunately generating generating sort of income from that whether it be from your own community or people who want to target your community mm-hmm. fortunately for us we tend to like to do things where we don't want to create like a, a gate we don't want to create this barrier of entry for our community so we try to keep most of our events content for free and we realized that mm-hmm. by growing our numbers continuously sponsors want to target the asian community and compared to how it was before i think the the asian average asian income has increased like over 400% or something like that something absurd right our spending power is there so luckily we can leverage that to talk to sponsors to be like hey like we're producing these events this is our target audience this is our demographic this is our age range like would you guys like to go sponsor it has to be a, a fine balancing act because you don't want to have someone sponsors that it dilutes your mission, right? Mm-hmm. There are the times where ourselves, we have to take less money knowing that this money would be put for the greater good, right? Knowing mm-hmm. that we have enough money to keep the lights on, we're not here to become really rich. We're not here to become really wealthy. We're here to support the community, right? And if we want to stay around for a long time, this has to be continued being a balancing act. And... We got to the point before that we were scared that we might go under because unfortunately, most of the sponsor dollars really depend on your size of your audience. And not just mm-hmm. the size, but like the engagement, right? We were trying to get to critical mass as fast as we can. We were trying to like grow our numbers as fast as we can because we knew that this was going to be our way of being making ourselves sustainable without charging our members a fee, right? We mm-hmm. knew as soon as we wow. charge our members a fee, like it would dilute the mission not to say that's a bad thing, right? But like, it's not the direction we want to head towards right now. Yeah, that that's pretty tough because like obviously brands are wanting something from you if they're going to sponsor you. So it's like to them, it's hard to, to give. But I feel like with a mission as like specific as yours and community oriented, do you think that makes it easier for these sponsors to to want to work with you? Nowadays, it's a lot easier than it was like three years ago. Like three years ago, yeah. like literally throwing everything in the wall and like, oh my God, we're not going to survive. And I feel like, mm-hmm. in like in my darkest moments, the universe sort of just helps me out. Just like when I'm about to throw in the towel and be like, dude, I can't do this. Like I've been doing this for six months and like not generating a single dollar. <laughs> you know? Wow. Like someone through, through the mercy of whatever higher being like, messaged me and be like hey like i love what you're doing can i sponsor you like a thousand two thousand dollars i'm like oh my god you can keep the lights on for like wow two weeks or three weeks you know and I'm like, and then i'm like oh wow like this this is it like we, we can keep going like we found something that's worth doing and there are times where literally like our company bank account was like down to like $15 like oh my god people are just it feels kind of bad too because you're trying to keep your mission strong you're trying to keep a positive morale for the team you're trying to like be there for your community but sometimes you realize like everyone's asking for so much and you're getting so little so you get really frustrated at everything you're like Mm -hmm. you start like getting really jaded and that's what the part where I'm like okay like I need to take a step back like I don't want to be jaded this is something I want to do this is something I love to do Right, I have to reframe my mindset not to be jaded, and then when those times when those happen, I always end up getting some sort of DM like on my social media account saying, like, "Wow, <laughs> thank you so much for creating Asian Hustle Network." Like I was feeling really alone, or I was feeling really depressed. I'm just like, "All right, this is a sign. 
because I'm feeling quite de quite depressed too. You're like, this is why I do this. Wow. You said that when you started Asian Hustle Network, you knew it was going to be big. Did you think it was going to be global? The answer is no. I did not think it was going to be global. I had a feeling that it can be global because most of our early volunteers that reached out were from different countries. Oh, wow. Mm. And this is my me that this is a, this is a time where I was a very ignorant American where I didn't know where anything was in the map. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, where? where? I didn't even know that was a country. <laughs> you know? But now we have a team of almost 20 people around the world, which is insane. Wow. That yeah. is that is awesome. Right now you are expanding globally. What kind of steps are you taking to expand that for different places in Asia? Yeah, yeah. So we are very strategic to how we're expanding in Asia. Whereas before, I feel like we we're kind of over the place because we we're trying to figure out a business model that worked. This time, because we're very focused on Asian creatives and entrepreneurs, we found a target niche that we can partner for corporations. I think it's okay for me to talk about it, but we're working with a few big banks and working with a few giant VC funds out there in the world that became our global partners. And what, how that works is that we partner for all the events, all the costs to cover, and then, and then we generate your income through that. Right? It's, it's very sustainable wow. matter. So basically, the more events that we host, which is great because it creates more impact, more community, and in return, it creates more revenue for the company. So it works in a very, very positive way. That's amazing. I think what you're doing to expand, especially because we're all trying to do a lot of these things that are very based on our values and you're up against money. You feel like you're pitted against everyone else. But it's amazing yeah. to see how much you've grown to from when you started to now globally and you're in Asia right now. So I'm excited to see what's next for you guys. I have a question on something that could be seen as a hot take per se. So like Jackie sort of touched on like how, you know, there's this like competitiveness and like this feeling how we all have the same or similar core values, but there is so much competitiveness within hustle culture and also just within the AAPI community as a whole. So how do you as a founder navigate this feeling and also navigate like constantly comparing your success to other people? Yeah. I think um, now that I know what I know, I kind of wonder about our name Hustle as well <laughs> and what that means. But for me, the way that I personally always define Hustle is the way that our parents had to do things they, they had to do in order to survive, right? They had to hustle. They had to make the things happen because of their situation. I always thought of Hustle as a positive word until I learned about Hustle culture, which obviously, ironically, our organization runs, our organi runs very anti-Hustle. We believe in abundance, we believe in helping each other, we believe in supporting each other. And the hustle part is sort of my way of honoring my parents of their struggles and making things happen in the States. So I just want to make that part very clear. I feel like hustle culture could be very dangerous because it kind of forces a person to work overtime to, to glorify like having no work-life balance, right? I think that's the wrong way of looking at life and especially since the, ever since the pandemic happened we kind of forced ourselves to kind of step up take a step back and reset and rethink about our lives and what really matters and what really matters at the end is your own personal happiness your family and how you feel about your purpose in life right there is a lot of hustle culture left in our communities 
I would say we always find different ways for us to be unhappy, right? And I feel like those things need to be addressed over and over, right? Just the way our parents have raised us has always been like, are you getting better grades than your brother and sister? Are you getting better grades than your cousins? Like, are you number one in your class? It still happens all the time. And this just happens among my team as well. My team would look at other organizations and be like, we can do things better. I'm like, no, that's not the way to look at things. We could do things together. Mm. Right? Mm. I always have to reframe it. Like, We can do things together. Historically, competition has helped our community grow, but at the same time, it won't help our community sustain. That's the problem, right? Mm. I think that if we look towards competition and crushing each other, we're literally starting from ground one every single 10 years or five years because we're not offering a stand help, right? Think about how much greater our community could be if we reach a hand out and not ask for any, anything in return. Like, how can I help you with the goodness of your heart? We have this in our community too. We're just not really not taught to talk about it or show it much often. <laughs> Even for myself, my mom would be like, why are you helping so many people? They're going to take advantage of you. <laughs> I don't think of it that way, right? I think I believe in good karma, good energy. I believe the more good energy you put on the world, the, the good energy will come back to you to do greater things in life. I love that because also in our culture, it's hard to even ask for help to begin with. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you are so rooted in in that within your mission, I think is great. And I hope more people learn about it. Thank you. You guys see, by the way. Thank you. Like, yeah, the collaborative journey that you're striving for means a lot because I feel like in Asian culture, we're kind of meant to do it all by yourself. Like if you're going to grind, like only you have yourself to rely on, don't rely on anyone else and and try to do it. So to kind of push the idea of like, it's okay to work with others. It's okay because now it's like we're all there to grow with each other. Yeah, we built a brand on that too. Like how do we help each other? So our biggest issue and you read any self-improvement book, they're like, if you want to succeed in life, you have to learn how to say no. We're not very good at saying no. We're like, we're, you want to help, we're going to figure out how to help. <laughs> you know? That has always been our downfall. But luckily, we have a more focused team. We have a bigger team that's really passionate. And then whereas before, we're trying to do too many things, right? We're trying to do like nonprofit mm-hmm. work. We're trying to focus on media. But now we're like, it occurred to me that we were doing too much when my team reached out to me and they're like, hey, I, I love what we're doing, but I can't do this anymore because I'm burnt out. And that mm. was the first time I ever heard someone say that to me. I'm burnt out, Brian. I love <laughs> the community. I love you, but I'm burnt out. And that hit me really hard, right? Uh, I, I am accidentally incorporating hustle culture in a way where hustle culture, the way, way I'm using it is to help the community, but still hustle culture, right? <laughs> So we need to like take a step back and think about what matters to us. And this is a very, very hard time, right? To take a step back to realize that you cannot help everybody and anybody. But if you help a select group of people really well, you create bigger, bigger and better impact that way. Talking about like burnout and such, how do you and your team members find ways to, to recharge and just take time for yourself? Yeah, I re- always remind my team to leave work on time. Yeah, I always remind my team to to set boundaries, right? A lot of times I find people, to my surprise, like online really, really late working on these projects, like 1 or 2 a.m. And I always pick, ping them because I never really sleep myself. <laughs> I always ping them be like, why, why are you awake? And I tell them that it's more important to take things step by step and to do it right and to rush everything all at once. 
right? Mm-hmm. For us, I keep reminding the team that this is a lifelong journey. This is, this is personally my lifelong project I want to work on for the next 20, 30, 40 years. So in that sense, we reframe it to like, what is our milestone this year? What is our milestone next year? It doesn't have to be like, what's due next week? What's due in the month after, right? We look at it more long-term. So that's also the way that we, we reevaluate our organization too. Because we always ask ourselves, like, does this feel like work? Are we straying away from our path? What is your original mission? Uh, I hate to do this too, but around our offices, around our headquarters, whatever, we always have banners of our mission reminding our, our team and ourselves, like, why we do this every single day. I feel like that's so important, right? I think sometimes uh, as human beings, as we go through our day, we kind of forget why we do certain things. I think it's also good to have reminders that this is why we're doing it. Of course, we try to emphasize every single win. We celebrate every single thing. We realize that recognition itself is really important, not only for the team, but for the community as well. We have a lot of recognitions. We clap for each other. We, we, we're proud of each other. Don't be mistaken. We call each other out too. We're like, oh, this is not doing your work. <laughs> You're like, this is not how it's supposed to be done. Like, but in a very like, constructive way. Right? It's not very destructive at all. I myself have practiced meditation on a daily basis. I've been consistently doing this since December 2, nonstop, every single day. It's been game-changing for me, at least. I almost feel like like a spiritual person now. And it's, far, it's crazy for wow. me to say that, too, because I never really defined myself as a spiritual person before. But now I'm, like, looking at myself, I'm looking at the world, I'm just like, wow, like, it's, not, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> I wanted to dive into Agent Hustle Network's values, um, mainly culture and how we know that culture, when we bring everyone together, we bring community together, we're very successful together. But how do you kind of promote that with a lot of these entrepreneurs, kind of bring that mission into the forefront for entrepreneurs and other creatives who are not thinking about culture? Uh, What's the best way to incorporate it, but also bring it to light? Yeah, fortunately for me, I've been to a lot of networking events where I feel like it was a straight-taking environment where people are like, what do you do? And at the time, you know, I wasn't that high up in my career yet. I'm like, I did this, and I get ignored (laughs) in the next two minutes. I'm like, ouch, that hurts, (laughs) you know? And I learned from that. I didn't want to create an environment where people would just go around, like, asking for their own benefit or just taking from other people. I want to create an environment where people have something in common. They know what we're about. We, they know our mission, which is collaboration, uplifting, and supporting each other. And when people have that, know those values ahead of time, they come into events with like a frame of mind. Like everyone's here to support each other and help each other. So in a way, they let their guard down and they use like a different persona that they have. Yes, normally... Most business people will come in without a set agenda and be like, oh, what's your name? What do you do? Oh, yeah, we help each other. And they'll just be very transactional. For us, we try to avoid that. We try to make sure that before people attend our events, this is what we're about. This is what we do. This is their introductions. And then more than likely, if they find someone that's new in the field, they want to mentor them. They want to help them. They want to support them. And that's really cool of just setting like this premise ahead of time. Yeah, I love that. And I know even JoJo just came off from a mentorship. So it means a lot for a lot of us to kind of go through these experiences and then wanting to continue to give back and help the younger generation. Yeah, because I agree with you, Brian, because I totally agree with you. Like what you put into the world, you will receive back. And like 
karma and divine intervention and everything. <laughs> Although I wouldn't say I'm like a super spiritual person, but when it comes to to things like that, I am a true believer. Amazing. Love for you to dig in about hate is yeah. a virus, how you brought that up during when a lot of the Asian hate was going around, I believe, last year. How did you use your efforts of Asian Hustle Network and yourself of bringing a community together and promoting that and making sure everyone's aware of what's going on? Yeah, I want to make it clear that all the credit really goes to my co-founders, Tammy Cho and Michelle Hanabusa. They, they took the organization to the next level. But originally, um, I think Michelle posted inside our Facebook group saying that we should do something about this Asian hate. I think her original idea was to buy food from Chinatown restaurants because at the time it was like, you buy Chinese food, you're going to get COVID. And it's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, yeah. right? Um, so as you know, during that time, like a lot of these Chinese businesses were suffering um, because of this, this stigma or misinformation that's going on globally. So she's, she made that post and I reached out to her saying that, you know, we should work together to do something uh, we, at the time, like, we didn't know what that was, but this became, like, the genesis and premise of hate is a virus. I reached out to her. We talked about it, and I told her, like, we should turn this into a nonprofit. This thing needs to stay, right? Mm-hmm. Mind that at this time, we didn't know, me, 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 Michelle, like, we didn't know anything about creating nonprofits. I didn't know anything about nonprofits. Before I created my nonprofit, I read a Sparknotes version book of, like, how to create a nonprofit. <laughs> 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 And then we realized that we needed serious help. So we, uh, I think Michelle reached out to Tammy Cho or Tammy reached out to Michelle and she sort of became like the middle person between us two. And she was like, oh, let me, let me introduce you to Tammy and we can all work together. So Tammy had comes from an extensive background of nonprofits and she knew like how to like get a fiscal sponsor, how to obtain her 501c3, how to like apply for, for grants and loans. So she's, we decided that there's no, no doubt in our mind that she should be CEO. Of the organization wow like, yeah so it's crazy because i think i hate to be I hate to talk about age as well but like tammy's much younger than me i'm like wow how can someone <laughs> so much younger be so woke and so awake because when i was that age i was kind of dumb <laughs> you know i didn't know anybody <laughs> <laughs> so like us three started working together and then we started making a big audacious goal like how fast can we raise one million dollars for our community and that sort of became like the, the, the genesis and premise of like how big can we push the organization. To our surprise, like compared to how I was running Asian Hustle Network, this one came a lot easier. <laughs> Maybe because I learned from before. But I think the team ended up raising like one million dollars within like four months of our campaign. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. That is amazing. Yes. Yeah, it's insane. And then I think Asian Hustle Network at most at one time, we got to 12 million impressions on our website. And we thought that was a lot. For Hate the Virus, I think it was like 25 to 30 million impressions, which is insane. Right? I think we attracted wow. like corporate That's sponsors awesome. really quickly to like look at our mission, to include us into their ads, and to include us into, into like their leadership panels, how we can speak more about this. We got invited to so many panels like around the United States speaking about like Asian hate and how to like overcome that eventually we realized that it's important for us to bring the community not just virtually together but in person right so we started 
started uh, planning rallies across the United States to make an, to make a stance. To make an, we started bringing more educational content on our website. We started making better better content on our social media on how to like deal with hate, how to like report things. Because historically, I think the Asian community does not report hate crimes, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that through the collaborative efforts that ourselves and through other people in the community, not to take all the credit, it's a huge community effort. I think our communities do a lot better of standing out, speaking out, and saying something when something's not right. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I think what you guys have been doing, especially when it was really close to home for us, when it was hitting New York, especially too, it it means a lot to see someone bringing it to light. And it I feel like it makes the Asian community feel seen of like, you are bringing light to this, you are bringing the resources and things that we wish we would have had. And now the community is coming together. Yeah, and mind that this was a crazy time for me as well. Again, everything for me the last four years has been completely new. Like being becoming a community leader, becoming a founder, raising money, doing venture capital, starting a nonprofit. Like <laughs> this is all completely new to me, and this helped. This made me look in the world a much different lens. It made me realize that ordinary people can become leaders too, and that we individually, if we believe in something really strongly, we can make it happen, and we can step up. It really made me scared at the very beginning because when this is at this height, right, with the, like Asian crime and like all these like crazy things that was happening, the amount of DMs I was getting like, Brian, you should do something. You should say something. You should organize something. I was paranoid because I was like, wait a minute. Like I never done any of this. <laughs> you know, like who do I talk to? <laughs> and that's when I started reaching out to Organized, and then as soon as I started realizing that there's nonprofit has been around and since like the 1950s and 60s have been doing this for like the last decades that I can reach out to. Why is no one talking to them? Why is no one reaching out to me? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but luckily, I reached out to them and they extended their help. And then I, I found that although the Asian community is not very good at forming rallies historically, we do have an infrastructure there. And to my surprise, when we were starting Hate is a Virus, like the, the Arab community, the Middle Eastern community, the Black community helped us out so much. Like they knew so much about like fighting against systemic change and fighting against racism. It made me think a lot about like, I'm so blessed to like have these communities ahead of us and doing things before us because to be honest, like if we were left by ourselves, like I wouldn't even know what we would be doing by now. I feel like this conversation is very full circle right now, especially because you said at the beginning, people would look at you and say, you don't have the qualities of a leader, but now look at you, like you're you're doing a lot of leading and it's leading <laughs> to really great things. Um, so I think that's really awesome. And I feel like that also is just helping to set up like the next generation yeah. that's to come, especially just you mentioning that like one of the founders and CEO of hate is a virus is younger than you. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's really inspiring. And, you know, of course, like age doesn't really mean much um, when it comes Mm -hmm. to like experience, but I think just hearing about how like younger generations are rallying and are just inspiring us. I think that's just beautiful to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I learned so much about myself throughout the entire process for sure. Right. And for me, I still wake up every day asking myself, like, is this an accident? Should I, do I belong here? Like, why am I in here? Because <clears throat> when I look at my credentials, I'm like, 
I didn't go to an Ivy League. I didn't come from a rich family. Like, my parents escaped the Vietnam War on a boat. Like, growing up, I shared a bedroom with, like, four siblings, <laughs> five siblings. None of this should be happening to me because I have never been introduced to any sort of connections in my life, right? And the fact that I feel like I can do this means that anyone else can do this. So it gives me a lot of inspiration to know that I'm very privileged and that I want to help more people discover that they can do it too. To wrap most of this up, is there any advice for the younger generation who is also trying to become more aware and how can we keep this, like you said, a more sustainable community where our younger generation can you know, lead this on for years on end? Yeah, I think compared to previous organization and speaking for myself too, we're always finding ways to integrate the newer generation into our organization. And we're trying to elevate these 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 younger leaders to to make more impactful decisions that can be seen and felt throughout the organization, right? I think the biggest thing historically is I even I even had this problem too when I was working with older nonprofits. Is that I'll talk and they talk over me and then Nothing is done. <laughs> I was like, I can see, I can feel the ageism <laughs> that's, that's going on. I don't want that, right? I, I think that every every generation, every every next group of leaders have something really important to say. And it may not fit with the mission now, but in time, like if missions and statements and companies stay too rigid, they're not going to be able to readjust, adapt to newer times. And what happens after that? After 10 years, it starts over again. Right. We have to be able to be flexible with what we want. How, how do you want to achieve it? What What are our core values that will never change? What are things that could change? And as long as you make those distinctions, like we're more than happy to welcome the younger generation into our organization. But also, I want to encourage the younger generation to reach out to these older organizations as well. I realized mm -hmm. one thing throughout my entire career and journey so far is that if you never ask, you never get Right. If you don't put yourself out there to ask, you will never get a response. If you go ahead and make an assumption, you already failed. Don't make any assumptions. Put yourself out there, ask for it, and you never know what's going to happen. I think that's great advice. I always tell myself something similar where like, the worst thing that can happen is they say no or the timing is just not right. And really, that's not that horrible. So, So thank you for that. I can wrap us up. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can speak for both of us when I say that we really enjoyed this conversation, just learning more about your journey and your arch into becoming a leader, your story arch. But, you know, tell the people where they can find you and how they can stay in touch. I think the best way is to look me up on social media. Type in Asian House Network anywhere. Please feel free to reach out. We literally respond to every single message for good or for bad, <laughs> right? Um, we're very, very responsive. So type in Asian House Network or you can find me on LinkedIn where I'm very, very active at Brian Pham. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Of course. Thank you guys Thank you. so much too.